created live on Fireside. Premiere. Hey, Alisa, thanks so much for joining us. We're just going to have Chris come up right now. He's going to introduce you great. for another. I finished your book today. I loved it. It was so great. Ah, thank you so much. Thank you. So exciting to talk about. Folks, if you've just joined us, this is Doing It Sober Live, kickstarting our 2023 with some technical difficulties. That's the difficulty, or rather the difference between Florida and South Africa. In Florida, you have the opportunity to count fireflies to sheep, but uh, unfortunately in South Africa, you count gunshots to sleep, if not uh, thunderbolts and lightning. <laughs> Dr. Hellerman is our guest uh, today. Dr. Hellerman is an attorney and member of the New York State Bar Association, having originally found success in the entertainment industry as a partner and a head of the talent department at United Talent, and would later become the top talent agent and partner at William Morris Endeavor, representing the best of the best of Hollywood's elite. Dr. Hellerman launched Recovery Management Agency in 2011 and is known as the first ever recovery management program of its kind. RMA is a consulting company providing its clients with a team of managers to help them navigate their journey toward both healing and recovery. Having been sober herself for many a year, Dr. Hanneman realized her lifestyle was making her sick. Though she had freed her addiction to substances, she had not freed her soul. After years of trauma and substance abuse, she had only covered up the wounds rather than truly healing them from within. So, in her 40s, 20 years old with 20 years experience, Dr. Elisa, uh, Dr. Hellerman went back to school to take classes in both drug and alcohol counseling at USC Los Angeles in 2010. She now holds a master's and a doctorate from Pacifica Graduate Institute in both depth psychology and somatic studies, which focuses on neuroscience and the study of trauma. The doc is also a drug and alcohol counselor and certified in yogic science for addictive behavior. In addition, she's a member of the Institute for Functional Medicine. Dr. Elissa Hellman's first novel called Sobriety, which we've also marketed on social media, uh, Heal Your Trauma, Overcome Addiction and Reconnect with Your Soul, is a prescriptive memoir on overcoming drug and alcohol addiction, post-traumatic stress disorder, and chronic trauma. Sobriety explores how to recognize adverse childhood experiences and trauma, which, if unhealed, are often at the core of most adult addiction and alcoholism, and touches on timely topics such as the traumatic events facing us every day, from a pandemic to mass shootings, political injustices, war, and terrorism. That's certainly a mouthful. Doctor, welcome. Such a privilege. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's only a true. Doc, let's begin at the very beginning. Okay. You were in the law sector. How long would it be that you go from the law chambers to literally finding yourself in Tinseltown? So I was practicing law and living in New York City and really just didn't love working as an attorney. I was working for a small private firm and going to court every day and kind of schlepping around all the five boroughs in New York. And it's much more glamorous on television than it is in real life. And (laughs) I was also living with my boyfriend and knew that wasn't going to be 
something that was long lasting and really just wasn't happy living in the city. My sister called me and she was graduating from college and, and she was already out West and she said, I'm going to go live in Los Angeles. My roommate just, um, something came up and she can't come. And I think you should move to LA with me. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So Dee, Dee my sister actually is the one that brought me out here. And when I first came out, I knew that I didn't want to be an attorney. I wasn't going to take the California bar. I got a job as a cocktail waitress because that's what you do when you don't know what you want and you're, you like to drink. And I started meeting people as you do in the entertainment business, which I knew absolutely nothing about because I was from New York and this was in the olden days when there was no, um, there was no internet. So we didn't have access to so many different things. And so I just started meeting people and they said, you should get a job at an agency. And I was like, what's that? Okay. And ended up getting a job as an assistant working for a TV talent agent. And it wasn't until I sort of walked into the building and really started to understand what that job entailed that I saw a path through to a real career in being an agent and also utilizing my skill set as an attorney. Well, what can I think? And because it's a job. Uh, created. That's where you created short pants. So in your book, you talk about yeah. uh, different characters and obviously, you know, there is a, an interesting dynamic to working in Hollywood. I've been there myself. And um, in your book, you talk about these different personalities, um, you know, throughout your life. And uh, Trixie and Short Pants were uh, a couple of the names. <laughs> um, can you tell us about those characters in your life when you were out there? Yes. So, you know, now what they are is I describe them as different personas um you know it's not to be confused with someone that does suffer from multiple personalities or something of that sort but we do have other parts of ourself and what i've learned later is i do have this authentic soul self which i talk about but there have been other parts of me that very early on um with my addiction when I got sober, I was told, you know, it's it. you still need to work on a program. You still need to practice sobriety. And this is something that we do every day because we still think like an addict sometimes. And I really wanted to separate that part of me that my disease, quote unquote, from who Elisa was and who she was becoming as a sober woman. And so I named my addiction Trixie before I even know knew what it meant to personify. And then much, much later, and that was really able for me to distinguish between what was a voice that I was hearing that was Trixie and what was my more authentic soul self, my intuition, that other voice that I was just learning to hear and listen to and so it wasn't until very many years later when I started studying archetypal psychology and learning about personification 
that I realized what I had done really early on was create Trixie, but she was still pretty two-dimensional. You know, she had a name and she was applied to my disease in my mind, but she didn't have her own personality that I hadn't worked through. I didn't know what she looked like. I wasn't able to have dialogue with her in the same way. And so that's what I went on to create. And once I did that with her, was able to look back at some of my other parts. And there's a lot of therapies that do parts work. And, um, you know, and specifically IFS and Dick Schwartz talks about parts work and gives those parts very archetypal names. And personification is a little bit of a step in a more ancient way of making these parts three-dimensional and making them more specific to you and naming them. And they're not going anywhere is what I learned for mine. So short mm. pants was my insecurity and more than my inner critic, my fear of not being able to accomplish anything on my own without the help of someone else, more likely without the help of a man that I wouldn't be able to succeed. And when I had that feeling, that was really short pants showing up. Uh, Doc, tell me something. Whereabouts did the line start to go skew for you? Was it in the time being that you were still in Hollywood working in the talent agency business? So when I was, um, when I was early on working in Hollywood, um, a friend of mine had passed away. It was very traumatic. I was very young and it was not something that I got help for. And I was suffering from PTSD and didn't know it. And so I turned to more drugs, more alcohol. And that's really where my addiction took off more in the sense of I was self-medicating to get rid of these PTSD symptoms, the anxiety, the depression, the OCD, all these things that were piling up and not seeking help for it. When, when I was, it took a couple of more years of doing drugs and drinking and being a young agent before I really recognized that I needed help. I actually didn't know I was an alcoholic or a drug addict. I didn't know anyone that was. I knew just from living in LA, I knew people that went to some 12-step meetings, but I didn't really know that this is what was happening to me. I just thought I was uniquely different, that I was destined to live this horrible life. I couldn't understand why I couldn't control my drinking or drug use as I once could in the beginning. And I just walked around with incredible shame and fear that this was it for me. And so once I got sober in 2002 um, is when I started to have success. And I say, quote unquote, success in the business, because that's when I was really present and able to focus and really do my job. And I say, quote unquote, success, because my definition of success has changed over mm -hmm. the years, where back then it was very much about getting there and then getting there and having titles and power and prestige and wanting more ego 
supporting things. And even though I was sober from drugs and alcohol, was still feeding myself with external shiny new things that had really short expiration dates. And that's why at five years sober, I found myself feeling empty and lacking a sense of real meaning and purpose in my life, despite my sobriety. Right. And that's, uh, and you give quite a few examples of different people that you work with and clients and so on that have some pretty serious um, issues. And you were talking about, um, you know, that there's not many places out there that deal with all of these type of, or at least back then, um, with all of these traumas and this, like these survival, you know, responses that we have um, that you talked about. And connecting with the soul is like your whole deal. So um, tell us about Soulbriety. So I started the company that I have now, Recovery Management Agency, about almost 12 or 13 years ago because I felt that I knew as an attorney people came to me with a legal issue. And I knew that when I was an agent, people came and they had a place to go and they wanted career advice. And I didn't have that when I was struggling. I, you know, and then I didn't have that when I'm, when friends of mine or family members of mine or previous, you know, colleagues of mine were struggling. I didn't, you're, you find yourself asking your friend, asking your dentist, you know, where's a good therapist? Where did someone so go to rehab? Should I go there too? And it just felt very antiquated and that there needed to be a place where you could go if you were suffering from addiction or mental health issue or trauma and really say, hey, here's what's going on for me and now what? And have someone, and this is what my team does, really educate you. First, do a full assessment. Look at not the symptoms of what's happening right now, but what lies underneath the symptoms. Hear your sort of soul journey. Look and see where ruptures have been. Also, looking at your strengths and the things that do light you up. Because we're going to want to capitalize on all of those things. And really helping people to understand that you're not your symptoms, that these symptoms have sometimes been life-saving methods, like my addiction was for me because of my trauma. And I'm not saying that I wasn't an alcoholic before the trauma. I definitely was in retrospect and with what I know now. Mm -hmm. But that took me down faster and it took me to my knees quicker. And it really was something that I then had to go back and work on, or I don't think I would have stayed sober for 20 plus years. And um, so that essentially was why I had started RMA. Sobriety came much later when I was getting my master's and doctorate in graduate school, and I was studying depth psychology, and that's D-E-P-T-H. And depth psychology is rooted in the unconscious. It is non-pathologizing, but instead very strength-affirming in trying to make what is unknown known. 
And so it was, it was a lot of learning about the language of soul. And when I wrote my dissertation, my dissertation question was, can doing soul work lead to long-term recovery from drug addiction? And across the board with all my participants, regardless of how long they've been sober or how many times they had relapsed or any of that, the answer was yes, that doing soul work could help with their recovery. But the caveat was they didn't know they were doing it. They didn't have language for soul work, for the unconscious, for archetypes. They didn't dream work, any of it. And so that's where soul variety came from. Of I want to create a methodology where I can give language to this deeper work, as I call it, growing down. Mm-hmm. And that really applies to anyone that is looking for meaning and purpose out of their experiences of life. Clever thinking. Now tell me something, Doc. When you, when you uh, began RMA, did you focus on providing counseling, in other words, exclusively for women or for women and men alike? Always women and men and children and... Uh, and children. Okay. Yeah, I mean, our clients have been as young as 12 and as old as 80. Not old, but as, you know, as wise as 85. Wow. Right. My God. Across, across the board. And, you know, all genders. We it's, it's really not as black and white anymore as we know of male and female. So that is a big part of, um, of what we do as well. And, um, and same with sexuality. There's no boxes. We help humans who are suffering and that's the bottom line. And what's the success rate been? Part two to my first question. The success rate, and I can see this in all honesty, is when the person is ready to really participate, you know, mental health, and addiction is the only real disease that I know where you can't just take a pill or have an operation or get the medicine and, you know, stick your out your arm and get the IV and get what you need. It is about full participation. So I think what I've noticed is with those that get that, you know, I also, we also look at relapse as an indication of some, a puzzle of the piece, a piece of the puzzle that is missing. It's shining a light on something that we haven't healed yet. So we don't measure our success rate in relapses or slips for those that are addicts, but in their continually wanting to show up and do the deep healing. And if we're doing that, we've had clients for since the day we opened and we still work with them in different capacities or they leave and they have big, beautiful lives and then something comes up and they come back or they get married and they want their spouse or there's another child in the family that then they want some help and support with and we can be preventative instead of reactive. So it's been, it's turned into something really that people needed. I could have never written the sort of blueprint for what it should be. I just kept 
following the next indicated action of what people needed. That's quite a change from Hollywood. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yes, I, mean, I bet, yeah. But it's I much really, more fulfilling. It's fulfilling in a different way. I was not someone that left the entertainment industry and, you know, walked away and slammed the door. I loved working in entertainment. I'm extremely creative and I loved making movies and I loved putting people together and like-minded creatives together. And I loved my clients and, and, and feel extremely grateful for all the things that I got to do. I just wanted to essentially shift from helping people with their careers to helping people with their health and wellness and recovery and healing. That felt like something I was ready to do after I had done it for long enough with myself. And I loved being back in school and learning. And that really also set me up. I mean, I was taking classes at UCLA for drug and alcohol counseling and that, and I was still agenting. I was going to school at night and being an agent during the day. And the more I was learning and the more I was reading and the more people I was meeting in the fields of addiction, the more I was getting lit up and lit up and lit up in a way that I mm. used to be and was at the beginning of my um, career as an agent. That's so wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, because um, you talk about in your book, like it's a lifetime journey. I mean, you're, you said 85 year olds. Um, it's it's like you just kind of do the next indicated action and you followed your your soul like you were listening to your soul and um you know you said something that really kind of struck a chord with me in the book no one's gonna save you except yourself and um it's so true and it's it, it is an inside job i mean we we um can feel a lot of self-pity and um, we can stay stuck in our traumas, but the truth is, is that we really have to do the work and we have to show up. And now there's so many different outlets and so many people to help, which is such a wonderful thing. Um, you talk about like, I guess, is it 12 stages that you talk about? I talk about, I talk about this, the 12 stages of the soul journey mm -hmm. and really being able to identify where you are and you know listen the the hero's journey is something that's talked about across all cultures and societies and it is based on mythology and brought to us by joseph campbell in the way that he discusses it mm. and so this isn't this isn't something that's new in this concept but knowing where you are on your soul journey, knowing where, what part you're in. And I talk about, you know, at stage one, you're really just living your ordinary life. You're just going along and you're doing your thing and you're going to work or you're raising kids and you're making dinner and you're watching Netflix and you're doing your thing. And you do hear these little whispers from soul and they're very big questions that most of us are not ready to hear. And we, 
you know, they come up with, do I love my job? Am I happy in this relationship? Do I want to live here? What am I doing with my life? Right. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of shush them away most of the time because everything's going fine in our ordinary life. But we know there's something else. We know that it's going to have to get tended to. And the thing about soul is the whispers will not cease. In fact, they will get louder and louder until, like I like to say, a brick house falls on your head and you're forced <laughs> to sit there and really let's deal. And then by the time you get to stage four, a guide, and that might be in the form of a book or another person or a fireside chat. <laughs> and wait, maybe I can take a little tiny step in this direction. I don't have to... You know, I, I really want people to understand I didn't wake up one day and quit my job, my career, my 15-year career as a talent agent and say, that's it. I'm going to go over here and do this. Like, that is not what happened. It was it was slow. But I kept taking tiny little right actions to create something over here. So when I was ready to walk away, I had something. But I still gave this 150% as I was putting in 100% here and really trying to build something that made sense. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's really important. You know, as your guides appear, you're gonna take these little leap of faiths. You don't have to all of a sudden jump off the entire, you know, bridge into the water with an outer lake breath. You can go slow and then you're gonna hit, you know, stage six, lions and tigers and bears. It's like, oh no. You're hitting speed bumps and brick walls and you're forced to pivot. And it just means there's more to go. There's six more stages to go. Like, just keep going. And then essentially you'll get there. You'll get to the threshold. You'll feel very accomplished. You're starting to do something that you really wanted to do. And you're ready. You think, okay, I'm ready. I'm just going to walk through this door. And on the other side, it's going to be all rainbows and butterflies. And it's great. And I got this. And good for me. And you're a little egoed about it and you go to open the door and you realize you don't have the key and you're just not quite ready just not a hundred percent there yet and that's when essentially there'll be some sort of other moment or situation dark night or something that is in front of us that we haven't yet dealt with and that's when we have to stage nine go into our cave and that's a metaphor that I created to go and do my work and really allow our pain to be alchemized into purpose and really be able to transform. And then stage 10, we show up, we're more enlightened. And then even though we're more enlightened and we've gotten all this wisdom from our entire journey, the ultimate challenge is giving it back and helping others. And that's, you know, that's the 12, that's the 12 step sharing your own wisdom. And that's ultimately for ourselves and connecting to others. That's what gives us purpose and know that you're going to go on more than one in your lifetime. Doc, if I can play you a compliment first, what I love about what you've just shared, this program that you've developed with Soul Variety, it's so, can I say childlike, because the childlike imagery, but also very philosophical. You're a brainy person. I'm sure you must have heard about the book, The Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. Yes. Now, there's a part in there where he said, uh, don't think about victory, more of defeat. 
but only at the here and now, which is cutting and killing. I really have to compliment you on Flavagas. You've detailed it so expressly, but what I like about it so well is through the childlike uh, facets that you have just introduced, it makes it so much more simpler for people to grasp and fun. Would you agree with me on that sentiment? I hear what you're saying. I think what you're connecting to is, you know, you can't define soul, right? There's no sort of complete definition. Everybody is going to define that differently. We can't point our finger and say that's soul, this is soul, right? It's, it's spoken about in metaphor, in myth, in something that we call in depth psychology, the imaginal different than the imagination, but a real world of the imaginal where our collective unconscious and our unconscious material lives, where Trixie and Short Pants and others live. But in speaking about soul work, the only way to connect to it and to help others connect to it is by speaking in this language of story and in the imaginal and in imagery. And so, right, essentially that is storytelling, right? So that's, I think what you're connecting to of like, oh, it's so simple because she's explaining it in a way that even if it's not exactly how you would describe soul or soul work, you get it because you're able to put yourself in the story. Are you are you writing another book? Are you thinking about it? I'm thinking about it hard. Wow. That's, now on your website, you offer guided meditation, which I think is really cool. And I would like to check out myself, a person that's into meditating quite a bit. Does that is that helpful for people that are, you know, struggling with themselves and their inner demons? <laughs> I mean, I think that everybody has a different in, right? Mm -hmm. For me, it's into the imaginal. It's doing, it's doing the growing down. It's making what is unknown to me that's living in my unconscious known so that I am dealing with the underlying issues. But, you know, we talk about, and you mentioned it before, that we need to do the inner work, that no one's coming to save us. But what I didn't understand, and I think a lot of people don't, is, okay, I'll do the inner work, but where do I get in? And that's really the issue that I think a lot of people have, of like, where do I start? That's meditation for you, therapy for you, or walking, or whatever it is that you feel connected to soul. And, you know, soul is, I describe it, as a very felt sense for me of, I feel at home. I feel like I'm in a sense of awe. I'm feeling peaceful. And there's plenty of ways that people can get to that place. If that's meditation or surfing or writing or drawing or singing or singing, right? Whatever it is for you, when you're there, and you're connected, that's your gateway in. And then the work begins. So my meditations are about imagery and about sort of setting that stage so I can go into these places that I've created 
to work on my different personas, my different parts. And that's what works for me. But that's definitely not going to be everybody's way in. And sobriety is not a methodology that is meant to be dismissive of anything else. In fact, I feel like it's the golden thread between everything that you pick what works for you, but you understand that what you're doing ultimately is reconnecting to soul. Doc, have you ever thought perhaps of taking the concept of sobriety? You've got the book. Would there be perhaps any opportunity to take sobriety into a bigger broadcast media setting, say like a documentary or even a TV show? We'll see. I feel I like I really that. connect with you um, just because, and it may sound silly, but I loved when I got sober, I got really into law of attraction and all these different philosophers and stuff like that. And you kind of remind me of having that, um, you know, I guess it's like a curiosity and like connecting through your soul. I, and it just kind of reminds me of that whole type of world. Like I, I, for some reason I lump you in with Bob Proctor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know who you that really is. are brilliant and um, super grateful to have is. you come on. You've been amazing to talk to. Thank um, you. How do people reach you and how can people like work with you or talk to you more about, you know, what you do? So my website is drhallerman.com, M-E-D-R-H-A-L-L-E-R-M-A-N.com. And we're also doing a once a month live Q&A so that people can ask a whole bunch of questions. You can sign up for that on my website. And you can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Elise Allerman. And those are two of the best ways. Um, and there's a lot of contact information as well on my website if you need something specific or want to work with RMA. From my end, thank you very much for coming on to the show. And thank you so much. And we wish you all and nothing shy but the bliss going forward towards the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was, it was great to meet the two of you. And I guess we have like some sort of an audience. So thank you guys for showing up. And... I wish we all could have chatted. Yes, check out the book. If you feel called, I, what I've learned is if you write a if you write a review on Amazon, it really, really, really is helping other people find their way to the book. They really read those and have that connect with them as their first step. So if you want to be of service and you feel called and it was something that helped you share about it so it can help others. We're just, you know, we're just trying to get it out there to the people that, um, that need it the most. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a good evening.